Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. We're glad to have you in God's house today. Glad to be with you. Um, Paxson and Jeff are obviously gone and, uh, so thankful for the opportunity to do this this morning and be able to share with you at the first of the new year. Uh, and I, I hopefully none of you showed up at 9 a.m. because uh, that could have been disappointing uh, in that. And so we are so thankful to celebrate the new year with you here at the church at Bushland. And what a better time to be alive, church. Y'all are, y'all are not excited enough for 2022. So God has specifically put me here. There's a 10-foot hole in my house right now. It's been trenched. I got a collapsed sewer line. I went to the hotel. The hot water didn't work. Uh, The potty didn't work. I got like 60 kids in my hotel room with me. I mean, I know that I'm designed to be here this morning, and I know that the enemy has been at work. And so I'm just telling you, 2022, I'm supposed to be right here with you today. So we 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 got to know that God has a plan. God has a purpose. Um, There is such great opportunity on the horizon. So I'm not gonna let you sit apathetic this morning because I just believe we as the church should never breathe that into us. That breathes ignorance in us. When we just become apathetic and we're not excited about the future because God's always got a plan for each of us. He's got a purpose. He's got a destiny for each one of you. And so wake up this morning is what I wanna tell you. Wake up. We're here with real purpose. And so um, I don't need more golf claps. We're good, all right? And so... Um, I just feel like there is, I just feel like there, the enemy wants us to dread and God wants to send us. And so it, it's just important this morning that we focus in on what God wants to say to us because nobody walked through these doors by accident this morning. And so you could be half tired. I chased pheasants and geese and ducks all yesterday and they all ran from me. Um, and so uh, I'm excited. I'm, it's just not been a weekend of fulfillment. And so I'm here to fulfill God's word this morning. So I'm excited. All right. And so uh, just excited to be with you. And so wanted to lighten the room a little bit. And here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you. And if you want a sermon title, I want to talk to you about what it means to rise against the darkness. You can feel that one, right? What does it mean for us as believers to rise against the darkness? And how do we do that? And I wanna, I wanna kind of break apart in the time that I have with you on what's it, what this looks like. You can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. We're gonna be jumping around at different places and different stories because these things are all connected to some degree and maybe hopefully show you something this morning um, that you haven't seen about how these stories connect uh, and how important it is for us as the church to see this connection because it's the way that God operates and works and how he connects our stories with other people's stories, how he connects family all the way through, um, generational curse, 
uh, through victories in Jesus and the things that can happen when we pursue God with our heart and obedience and prayer and all those things happen and how it can be passed to the next generation. I wanna talk to you about what it means to really rise against the darkness. And as God has stirred in my heart, I wanted to read just in the, the, the verse one right there in 2 Chronicles 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Anybody want that responsibility? Nobody? Eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Here's the most important sentence in this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed in the ways of his father David, not not turning aside to the Republican side or the Democrat side. It's not what it says. It says to the right or to the left, just to clarify, clarify those online. He did not budge. He stayed true. And as you look at the history, Manasseh is his granddad. And you read, you can read over here in 33 and all this before this, you can read where his granddad did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, Babylonians come and get him, capture him. God allows him to get captured uh, in, in the midst of his being king, his granddad. And they put two hooks in his nose Talk about a way to get humbled, right? Anybody want that? They put two hooks in his nose and he cries out to the Lord finally in captivity. And God hears him and sets him back in Jerusalem as the king and he comes and this cool thing happens where he does all these really great things and does what God calls him to do later on in his life. But here's what I wanna tell you though. When you look at the history of this, Amnon was his son. And he had lived a whole life of doing evil, evil things. They would burn babies. There was idolatry running through the land. It was terrible. And when you hear those things, you think, that's terrible. Do you realize there's been over 50 million babies aborted since 1973? When we hear those things and we read history and we look at those things and we think, how could they allow those things to happen? And this stuff is happening right underneath us. Idolatry's happening all around us. Babies are getting killed. People have major identity crisis going on. We can't define what a man and a woman are. There's all kinds of things happening around us. And to some degree, I feel like the church is just kind of in this spot of what are we supposed to do with this? And you look at, you look at Babylon, you look at the history of this story and you look at what was taking place and what happened to Israel during this time, the constant roller coaster of that. And you're gonna see how God solidifies things for Josiah. And he, Here's what's cool is his granddad repented at the end, but his son, uh, Josiah's son, I mean, Josiah's father did what was evil. He didn't even make it very long in his reign because the people that were working for him killed him. He was so evil. Part of that was his dad's fault, possibly because of all the things that were happening around him. He was raised in an evil culture. He was raised in a horrible environment. Well, how do you take it? Here we go. From right here, how do you have a father that's as evil as he was, and how does Josiah do what was right in the eyes of the Lord? We don't have like a specific sentence that says this person went to Josiah, but somewhere down the road, somebody told Josiah about his grandfather. Somebody spoke the word of the Lord to Josiah. This is what discipleship is. 
Discipleship is when we point somebody else in another way and it causes a seeking to happen in them. It causes a journey to happen in them to find out who God is. No matter what their history is, no matter what has taken place in their life, the gospel is open to anyone that'll listen. And it's important that no matter what our history is, what we've come from, that the backbone of who we are and that we'll always be is to know that no matter how ugly it is, God can make it good. God can make it good. And what was important about his granddad repenting in the end of things, somewhere in that, you don't think that he asked about his different people? You don't think he asked about his granddad? Do you think he probably heard awful things about him? Sure he did. You don't think he heard awful things about his father? And why wouldn't that repeat? Why do you think he become a, became a king at a young age? Because God took Amnon out and wanted to make sure what his grandfather wanted, was walking in at the end of his life was going to be passed into the grandson. And as this took place, Josiah does what's right in the eyes of the Lord, even as a young king. And then when we read on and you see this, in the eighth year of his reign, in verse three, while he was still young, he began to seek the God, his father, David. God promised that David would sit on the throne forever, amen, and it comes through Jesus eventually. God made a promise, and I love that he seeks the will of his father David. I love how it says that, and that word seek in the Hebrew means this, a reckoning. Oh, come on. You don't think there was a fight going on in Josiah of who he, what, what he should do. And what did he do that was fantastic? He sought the Lord. He was seeking a reckoning to know what was true. What I hear about this God, if it's true and what he did to my granddad, if it's true, I'm gonna seek it out for myself. And he begins to seek and this reckoning begins to happen inside of his heart. And out of that reckoning, you can read on in the 18th year of Josiah's reign in verse eight, it says to purify the land and the temple, he sent all these guys in and they were, gonna, they were gonna clear the temple out because idolatry had come into the temple, everything was covered up. The book of the law, which is God's word, written word, they, they hadn't found it, they'd been without it. Nobody knows any direction or any of those things that are happening or taking place. There's all of this chaos happening around him. And Josiah, as he gets rid of the idolatry in the high places, he decides I'm gonna clear the temple out and all Josiah is doing at this point is seeking God. When you seek me, you'll find me. You'll find me. And what's interesting is you think the book of the law might have been burned or it would have been gone. Somebody took it, somebody threw it away. People can't do what they want with the word of God the way they think they can. The enemy is not in control of God's written word, spoken word, or what he speaks into you. He's not, he's not in control of it. And what's interesting in this, and when we see this, when the land is covered in idolatry, God's word gets buried beneath the wreckage of sin in his own temple. Do you not think we as a nation, idolatry is running rampant? Some of you, me, it's in our own households. There's just certain things that we just won't lay up. We just think, well, that's just a part of way that the system works and this is what we're supposed to do. What system are we talking about? 
There's a, there's a way that the enemy works to get us to compromise, right? And to move us into a, a gate over here. And when he moves us into that gate, a lot of times we don't realize what we're giving up and the promises of God's word to move over into that gate. And as you think about that, what happens is a lot of times when we move in the direction the world moves, God's word gets lost and hidden beneath that idolatry. And it, it's not being pursued and sought after. And this is exactly what happened in this time in history. Here's what's important though. As Josiah is doing this, as he is seeking God with all of his heart, he's doing everything he can to find out about this God. And he is doing what he is called to do. And if you seek me, you will find me is what God's word promises. And in the middle of this, guess who is born as he's doing this? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Woo, you know where I'm going now, right? Guess who's born? Four bad dudes. And God has, why are they born at such a time as this? Because there's a king sitting on the throne that's gonna raise them up to be the men that they need to be. Oh man, what a better time to be a parent right now. Look at me, moms and dads. What a better time to be a parent. What a better time. Don't let the enemy whoop you. Don't let him just take you in a corner and you think this is just too hard, it's too difficult. You are raising up kids not to be scared of the darkness, but to rise against it. You're raising up kids to do this. And do not get the enemy into the corner with you and get trapped in that idolatry and God's word gets hidden and it gets covered because God has given you these precious possessions so that we can use them to make a difference in a world that is dark, amen? We do not live in the same, same place that some of us grew up in. I don't know that anybody lives in a sandlot neighborhood anymore. It's where you can jump in people's backyards. That's what I used to do. We play hide and go seek, super soaker. I tell people about my childhood, and my kids look at me like, are you kidding me? And I used to be the kid that would think that about other people, and now I feel like a senior adult telling kids of the stories of now what's happening with me and what I grew up in. Things are different, but God's the same. And God still responds to people that seek him. And why is this important in history and why is this important right now? Because God always has a plan in the midst of devastation. And you know where he puts all, all of it on? On his word. When they discover God's word, Josiah, can you imagine reading it for the first time? Can you imagine what he felt? What I have been seeking, I have found it. I have found it. And it was like a breath of fresh air and he rips his clothes from him, is what the word says. He rips it from him, bows down. And then you know what it does? He does this assembly and reads it to everybody and they experience this unbelievable revival that takes place. Meanwhile, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were born in this. When you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we don't think about them being connected to one of the greatest moves ever in Israel. We don't think about that. And you know who comes into the king's service as they grow up? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. Why? Because God knows what's coming, church. 
He knows what we need to do. He knows how to position his church. He knows how to position the individuals. He knows what to do in your home. He knows what to do in every step in every area of our lives. He knows exactly what's coming and he always has a plan. He has a purpose, but are you willing to go to his word to find it? Are you willing to seek him out to get to it? Because Josiah was. Josiah had made a decision within himself. I'm doing something different than what I have experienced growing up. I'm doing it different. And when we think about God's word, when we abandon seeking God's word, we lose the powerful reckoning it brings to the human heart. When we don't pursue God's word, a lot of people, I'll talk to a lot of people, and they've got major issues and problems in their life, me included in that sometimes. Let me ask you this. This is the first question sometimes I'll ask people. When's the last time you read God's word? I don't know. I really don't understand that. I, I, you know, could you, what, what are they really, a lot of people just want to feel better, right? They don't want a reckoning. Oh, come on. They don't want a reckoning. Anytime I get the opportunity to lead, lead somebody to Jesus, I leave them in Romans, and, I, and this is what I tell them. You go, home, you go home and you read Romans, and if you can survive not trusting in Jesus, then get on up the road. You know why? Because God's word doesn't need me. And it's amazing to me when they are seeking, he'll find them. And a lot of times we think that we've got to just make people feel better and we just got to, we don't know what to do in the moment. Put, put people towards God's word. Put people towards God's word because we've abandoned this idea that if, if somebody, you're telling me I just gotta send that person away and leave them in God's word? Yeah, give them some direction, give them those things, and guess what? Either a reckoning's gonna happen or they're gonna continue to run. Because we can't change people's hearts, amen, church? We can't make people different. There was a reckoning that took place in Josiah because he sought after God. God's word guides the way, wayward human heart to the security of his sovereign will. Do you think Josiah knew who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel would, would be? He did not know who they would be, but because he sought God's will and he sought God's face, God responded and did incredible things because of the legacy and the culture he created in that. Amen? There is such value, church, in just simply obeying and reading God's word. There's such value in you seeking God's face on a daily basis. It creates a reckoning in us. You ever read something sometimes or started praying for somebody that you don't want to pray for? It, you ever had somebody thump one of your ducks off a cliff? Nobody's ever had that happen in your life? You got your ducks all in a row? They all look good. God, you're proud of me. It all looks good. And somebody just decides to thump one right on the tip of the nose. And the enemy loves to make you think that that was flesh. I mean, that was your battles against that flesh. Your battles against the principalities of the world, no matter what it is. No matter if it's a mean hotel lady like I encountered this morning. <laughs> it's always against the principalities of this world. And the more we seek God's face, the more you're sitting in a restaurant and the customer service in the middle of COVID is crazy right now, right? 
The more you'll sit in there and not think like an American, but you'll think like a Christian and you'll think, how can I help this situation instead of cause more trouble? How can I be a solution and not a problem? The problems that are going on around you, maybe in your own household, maybe all around you at work or whatever, you know what they are? They're not problems. They're invitations into people's lives. Josiah saw this type of opportunity. He didn't look at all of this and think that it was a problem. He looked for a solution and he found God in the midst of seeking. There's part of us that has to die that has to say, yes, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a Texan almost just as much as I'm proud to be an American. Part of that has to die because you're loyal to the blood. You're not loyal to just that. Thankful for our military and and everything, the, the experiences that we've had as Americans and what's been fought for in our freedom and all of those things. But I'm gonna tell you right now, my knee belongs to to Jesus first. That's who it belongs to. Because we live in a fallen world, the government is going to collapse. We live in a world that's going to collapse and the certainty of what God is going to do is gonna be through his what? His word. So if you've buried God's word right now in the midst of all of this, if you've buried it and you're not pursuing it one bit, yes, I still got time. If you've just buried it and given up on it and all you've done is come to an altar and you just want somebody to make you feel good, that's not real repentance. Repentance is, I wanna recognize God. I wanna give up. I wanna surrender, and I wanna say, I'm tired of my way. That's a reckoning. And as you do that, as you seek him, he'll find you. I've seen a lot of people cry tears here and walk out and be the same person. Repentance is leaving it here and walking out and letting him make you something totally different. It's what it is. So how do we rise against the darkness and what does this look like? Well, you can turn to Daniel chapter one. I'm gonna give you four points. And as you're turning... I want to remind you that when we obey God's word, it can change the darkest heart. It can shift a whole nation. And do not ever reach a place as a believer where we devalue the power of just God's word. Amen? Spoken and written. Amen? And I want to tell you this, as we look at Daniel chapter one, God's word will always be at the foundation of his plans for mankind. God wrote Genesis to Revelations, and guess what? He didn't miss anything. He didn't miss your divorce. He didn't miss your abortion, possibly. He didn't miss all your years of drinking. God stands right by you. He's near to the brokenhearted. There's promises all over his word that say this to the, to, to the person whether they're saved or not. If you'll seek me, you're gonna find me. It's as simple as that. So there's four things. If we're gonna rise against the darkness, 
I think we gotta redefine what, what revival is. I think sometimes we think revival could be in a room like this, and we, you ever been in a room like this and the Holy Spirit just blows over it? I'll start crying talking about that, right? Some of you can remember that in times in your life, and some of you probably have that experience here at church at Bushland, hopefully, where the Holy Spirit just comes in. It's an incredible thing. But I wanna tell you that, to me, revival happens when your character gets squeezed and you ooze nothing but him. That's when revival happens. Revival starts with a funeral church. It's the death of you and to get to watch what you've rooted in yourself through pursuing and seeking him. And it, when they squeeze you, God's word just oozes out of you. Go ahead and kill me. Because I've already been dead. Jesus killed me a long time ago. I've been dead. So to me, revival starts with a funeral. Have you, have you really have you really accepted Christ as your savior? Because where we are in the church today, it's important to know who you are in Jesus, amen? To know your identity and what you have in Christ. And as that takes place in you, just like it has in Daniel, when you'll see in this chapter right here, Daniel knows who he is when he comes into Babylon. You know, I, I almost think when I read this as a little kid, I always thought, this Daniel cat's like Captain America. We don't really know anything about him. And then he just comes in into the, one of the most evil nations and he's just the man right off the bat. You ever thought that? I'm gonna tell you right now, if I got captured out of Josiah's reign and all the goodness that they experienced and there's, there's a possibility that they removed his manhood, they did all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that float around that as they came into the Babylon culture and everything. They were tried to being taught new knowledge, new education. They gave them new names and they stayed the same. In one of the most evil cultures, I'm gonna tell you right now, if that happened probably at this point in my life, I would be offended at God. They went from a total blessing to a total place of depravity and wickedness. And Daniel thrived in it. How did you do that? How did Daniel do something like that? How do you think he did it? See, Daniel's problem, when, you, when we read in this, and we'll see this, Daniel's problem, it moved him to prayer that was already in him. It moved him there. Prayer moved him to see purpose and not the offense. Oh, come on. Wait, let me ask you something. In your life right now, if you are super negative about everything that's going on, if you're negative, you get in a conversation, and you're like, America's just going, it's going down the hill. It's never going to return. It's horrible. I can't stand Joe Biden. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't, I don't like, you know, and it's just this, I, I hate to get into conversations like that, but a lot of times I get trapped in those because, yeah, I think there's some Maybe there's some legitimacy in that. But I wanna tell you this. If, if most of your conversation centers around a worldly system, then it points directly to your lack of prayer. I don't read anywhere in God's word that a Christian is supposed to be negative. Now, Christian's supposed to be real. We don't, we don't just come in like Mary Poppins and act like everything's hunky-dory, Right? I never understood that chick. <laughs> I got some black and white in me. I can't, 
She drives me crazy sometimes. I'm like, girl, do you have any kind of reality to you? I don't want a spoonful of sugar, all right? So when you think about that, it, you think about your life and everything, your, your job that you're in. Think about if you're negative towards it, let me ask you this, what's your prayer life look like? If you hate your job and you just walk into work every day feeling sorry for yourself with a victim mentality, let me ask you, what's your prayer life like? If you don't like any of your kids right now and you wish you could abandon parenting altogether, let me ask you, what's your prayer life like? When we read these great moves of God, we see in 2 Chronicles 34, and we're gonna see in Daniel right here, when we read these great moves of God, they are all based in one simple thing. Their prayer life is thriving. It's thriving. See, most of the time, we don't wanna pursue God because we know what will take place, right? It's gonna have to be about what we're doing wrong and what he's doing right. We don't like to look in the mirror, do we? 2022, some of us need to lose some weight, right? Right? We start looking in the mirror, we start thinking about what we need to do different, and then it lasts about two weeks, right? We don't, we don't go to the mirror and think, God, can you use me? A lot of times, you, some of you may not even like to look in the mirror, you don't even like what you see. What's your prayer life like? Daniel chapter one, verse six, among those chosen were some from Judea, or Judea. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, the chief official gave them new names, which we're not even gonna read because I can't stand that. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. That's an important verse. When you are seeking God's face, Daniel comes into Babylon, not coming in thinking, well, this is no good. Daniel comes in with real purpose. His heart has already been set on what God has for, the, for him. You know why? Because he has been raised up in a culture that has been around him that has pursued and sought God's face. And when he comes into Babylon, and they were wanting to, for him to, as simple as, hey, just eat the king's meat. Just eat the king's meat. We all come to this place that Daniel comes to. Daniel comes to the place, A.W. Tozer says this. He said that nothing twists and deforms the soul more than a low or unworthy conception of God. And how do we do that? How do we have a misconception of God, a low and unworthy standard? We compromise. Daniel comes in and, and he does not compromise. Here's my, here's my first thing that I want you to see. Revival is rooted in God's word and through repentance and faith. It's rooted in God's word through repentance and faith. Hebrews 12, two says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Daniel faces the greatest challenge that all of us face in the enemy's courts. Will he compromise his belief system? 
It is a mistake, church, for us to think that the small choices that we make in life don't have big impact on our journey. It is a mistake to think you could possibly treat your wife one way and mask it up somewhere. It's a mistake to think that you can have heaven here and hell at home. It's a mistake to not honor God in the details and the small choices of your life. Daniel could have easily said, you know what, it's just one thing. And for for Jewish people, they could not eat that. And Daniel makes a small, small, small detailed decision that shifts the whole nation because of his obedience not to compromise. Let me ask you, what do you think? There, there is a lot happening around us where the, the, the world system is wanting us to do what? Compromise. Well, some of you, are you going towards like a vaccination thing? I'm not. But there are times coming, not just for you, but for your children. They need to know what to stand on. They need to know what's true and what's right. And if the testimony of the Lord is not flowing off of your lips and in your home, there is no legacy left for them to grab a hold of. Don't make them grab a hold of their granddad's testimony. Fathers, don't give them shoes to have to feel or walk out of. Give them shoes to walk into. Give them shoes that are right and that are good. That's the legacy that we wanna leave, right? That's the decisions that we wanna make. And and what's so great about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're doing all that they're doing because Josiah made a decision to seek the Lord with all of his heart. And he raised them up and God readied them for revival. Revival is rooted in God's word through repentance and faith. Adrian Rogers says this, said that your character is the harvest of your habits. I'm gonna let that sink in. It has been wisely said that you can take a child of God, put him in a dungeon or with lions and a Bible and a candle and lock him away and he will know more about what's going on in today's world with the word of God than every politician in, in, in Washington. God's word is what's gonna propel you in 2022. Do you have character? Have you been developed in that? Second thing, revival often begins in the small things in the heart of a single individual. Sometimes when we think about revival, we think about big things, and we think that God's gonna do this huge thing, and God does huge things, but I promise you, if you look all throughout the Old Testament, God burned in the individual to get to the masses. Your heart matters to Jesus. What burns in you and what you seek could possibly change everything for someone else. I didn't know at 10 years old that accepting Jesus, that my heart was gonna completely wrap around my favorite thing to do on earth is to lead people to Jesus. I didn't know that at 10, but I didn't know those things, but God does, amen? God knows what to do in those things. It begins in the small things. And if you're detailed in those things, God burns in the single individual to get to the masses. Fathers and mothers, if they see a burn in you, 
It's gonna affect all of your children. They're gonna have something to return to. They're gonna have to see, they're gonna get to see God do something incredible to them if, if you live in faith, amen, and not fear. Daniel made a choice in his heart long, long before this that he was gonna do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, amen? And when he got squeezed, something fantastic came out and it wasn't him, it was God's word. I love what Paul says, even in Philippians, and I think of Daniel when I think of, even though Paul's writing this, it says, but whatever were gains to me now, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider it garbage, church, is what he says, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I love this. I want to know you. Yes, I want to know the power of your resurrection and the participation in the sufferings and become like him even in his death so that somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's a reckoning right there, right? I want to die so that he can live. I consider everything else garbage. And Daniel made the choice. This is a what I was raised in and everything else, this is what God has raised me up for and I'm gonna be set apart, amen? I'm not gonna compromise. I choose revival in the midst of my heart being the only one with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I choose it. I wanna be set apart in that. If we zoomed in on all the small things in your life right now, what would we see? Would we see obedience? Would we see prayer life? Or would we see lots of frustration and lots of avoiding one simple thing? Third, revival within the believer gains momentum through humility. Daniel chooses holiness over the offense of the circumstance. He chooses to humble himself before the Lord and say, whatever you have for me. Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace and they say, even if we burn, we're not bound to your God. I don't even care if we die. I believe so much in the God that I serve. Kill me. Do whatever you want to do because I ain't bound. That is incredible, incredible supernatural reckoning obedience right there. And that takes humility that's not just going to happen overnight. Parents, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will meet you where you're at. Senior adults, all ages of people, humble yourself before the Lord and he will meet you where you're at. Last and but not least, revival within the believer buries itself within the arms of grace. Ephesians 2 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Daniel knew who he was. He knew what he had come from and he took full advantage of the grace that he had been given, amen? He did not make it about him and when he was squeezed, God's word came out of him and revival happened over a whole nation. A whole nation, it happens. As the worship team comes, 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 18 says this, you've heard this verse multiple times. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully as David your father did and do all things that I command and observe my decrees and law, I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a successor to the rule over Israel. Why do I read that for today? Because God held his promise. And through that throne came Jesus. It is not the time to be apathetic as a believer. That is a breeding ground for ignorance and bad decisions and negativity in your life. Revival is not always this massive move. Sometimes revival is sitting and opening up God's word and letting him dissect what he needs to dissect so that he can send you into what he has for you. That's revival to me. The individual believer pursuing and seeking God's face. Are we rising against the darkness? Or are we just existing in it? Are you making deliberate decisions in the middle of it, not to just see people as people, but to see God moving in the middle of that? Grocery stores, your home, your communities, every place that you land, you have an opportunity to make a difference for the gospel. Be people that rise against it and not run away from it. Amen? Our ministry teams will be here. God's invitation is his invitation. Whatever you need, they're here. But if you come, come for a reckoning. Maybe it's one little small detail of your life that needs to be given up. Because I'm telling you, the enemy loves to trap you in something and then he loves to crucify you in it. He loves to make you feel like there's no hope, there's no future, there's no destiny after he traps you in that. And if you'll give that one thing to the Lord, he will turn it for you. And if you'll obey and you'll seek his face, you will find him. And he's good like that. He's continued to do it throughout history. Amen, church? And so we're here if you need us this morning. Welcome to 2022. Rise against the darkness, church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.